Brighter Media Group original. You're listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast, real reasons to have hope in this world. I'm your host, Tracy Tiernan, and I'm so delighted to have before me a, a beautiful woman of God. Her name is Esther Brandt. Now, she's got some impressive credentials after her name, DMP. Esther is a doctor of nursing practice. She is an RN. She's a registered nurse. Esther is also a pastoral counselor. She's a life coach. She's a mentor. She's an educator. And uh, one of those other roles that means so much to you, <laughs> Esther, you just mentioned to me. You are also a mother and a wife. A mother and a wife. <laughs> and now an author. And now an author, yes. And now an author. We've got a bit of a theme going this season of the podcast. And that is, what is something that you've always wanted to do, but you've been putting off? And for a lot of us, it was writing a book. And um, you did it, Esther. Congratulations. I know you worked with our dear friend, Yvonne Marie, who is a writing coach and mentor to many. Mm -hmm. um, and it was through, I guess, working with her and the writer's group that this book that I'm holding in my hands was born. It's called Journey of Faith, Finding, Finding Purpose Through Grief and Loss mm -hmm. by Esther Brandt. Tell me about your journey in writing your story. What made you decide, okay, now's the time mm -hmm. I'm going to do it? Well, it's amazing how it all started because, you know, God put things in your heart that you really have to bring out. And I was actually unemployed for two months. And I sat at home in my house waiting for my clearance with the federal government because I had stopped the job at the other place. And I remember my late pastor, Dr. Miles Munro, I mentioned him in this book. And he said, do not die with your gifts inside of you. He wow. said, write it down. He said, write down your journey. Write down the things that you've gone through because there are people out there that are waiting to hear this. People are waiting to be healed, to be blessed by the things that you have gone through. And so I, I started with my coach, Yvonne, and I was going to write my life story, a mini memoir. But you know, a mini memoir is sim simply like the little episodes of your life. And as we started to write... I re we realized that there was a lot of grief and loss in my journey yeah. of life. And so we kind of diverted, and, and both of us were on the same page. And I said, you know, Yvonne, this is interesting. I said, we probably need to focus on just one piece of this journey. And this is where the journey of faith came in, because it was only through God's grace and his faith and, and, and knowing him that I was able to continue to write, because it was a hard write. It was not easy writing mm. this book. A um, lot of emotions. But I, I always remember what my pastor said. He said, don't die with your gifts inside of you. Write it down. Just got to linger on that for a moment. Don't die with your gifts inside of you. Write it down. Yeah. Man, that's a word for us, yeah. Esther. That's a word yeah. for us. And you said it was a painful process to actually do it. It takes mm -hmm. courage sometimes oh, yeah. oh, to tell yeah. your story. Um, what was the, the process like for you? Did you take those um, few months that you were unemployed mm -hmm. and did you like sequester yourself somewhere to I wrote write? every day. You did. I wrote every day and Yvonne was like you're the only person I've ever had to finish finish everything in four months. I, I actually finished it in two months but you know with the editing back and forth and everything wow. and so forth it was done in four months and I said I said I need to write it now because when I get another job I'm not gonna be able to write every day so I wrote every day except Friday night was date night of course with the husband. <laughs> 
Was he cheering you on oh, during this Oh, he was my whole... biggest cheerleader. Was he? He would come into the room, do you need a cup of tea? Are you okay? You know, he oh. was he was my biggest cheerleader, you know, and um, and my biggest supporter all, all the way around. And and I, I wrote every day except Friday night. And then, of course, on Sunday morning, of course, there's church times. So I didn't write on Sunday morning. But Sunday evening, I wrote. So I wrote pretty much like five days a week. That's Six amazing. days a week, yeah. So this is, this is friends, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. You make a commitment to yeah. do it. Yeah. And you took advantage of this time that was not meant to be idle mm-hmm. time in your life. That's right. God had ordained that oh, time yes, yes. for you. Uh, you've suffered a lot of loss in your life, Esther. Mm-hmm. And I know that your, your book ended up being focused on that. Can you tell us a little bit about... Esther, growing up in, in the Bahamas <laughs> with your amazing family, you have a very large family that you yeah. come from. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I am the ninth child of, out of 14. Out of 14? Yeah. There, there were 10 girls and four boys. My gosh. Um, I think my mother was pregnant every year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would bet. And, and you lived in a very small... We live in a small community, and I mentioned some of it in the book. I don't want to go too deep into it. We live in a small community, which was the very last community on the island of Elutra. Um, we, and I, I mentioned how we were called the Bush people, remember? And um, very prim- primitive life, very humble life. We had an outhouse when we were growing up. I did not have, we didn't have electricity until I was like 16 or so. My gosh. Yeah, we caught the bus early in the morning to get to school. You know, we work on the farm summertime. There was no summer camps. We worked on the farm summertime. We had chickens and goats and all the other stuff. And we, my parents were hardworking people. Mm-hmm. And I watched them as I grew up. And, but I described my life as not just fun, but it was a glamorant of, of also grief and, and a lot of domestic violence in my family. There was a lot of, um, I, I call it craziness. A lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I call it craziness, but that's all I knew. Mm. You know, I didn't know anything else, but my mother was a praying woman. She would pray every night and she would call each of us by name. And she would call from the oldest to the youngest. And when I grew up and I had my own son, he would ask me, Mommy, why do you have to pay so long? I said, Miguel, because I have so many names to call, you know? So I, I remember that growing up and, and growing up on the island. You know, it was a beautiful island, Bahamas. Who don't want to be in the Bahamas? Right. But for me, it wasn't always paradise, you know? There was a lot of, lot of grief. There was a lot of domestic violence, like I said. There was a lot of different issues and a lot of family dynamics Mm -hmm. it was a large family you could imagine 10 girls yes on the day when we have to wash clothes (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh that's amazing well you didn't have to fight over the bathroom because you didn't have have a bathroom no (laughs) (laughs) we didn't have a bathroom until i was 16 you know and so just amazing it was just crazy but as, as each child grew up and left school, they left home. Yeah. So there was always space for another one to come up to be born. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Esther, when did, when did the idea that you were created mm-hmm. to care for people in a very specific uh, yeah. way, how, when did that occur to you? I was 11 girl? years old. Tell me about that. I'm 11 years old. It's in my book as well. I mentioned as 11 years old, my, my teacher, Mrs. Butler, you never forget your teachers. Right. There's some teachers you never forget. She introduced me to the Bahamas Red Cross, and we would, um, we would go to the elderly. We would do the house, you know, clean the house, get water from the well for them. We would do their hair and their nails. So that was my first 
you know, first time doing that kind of stuff. And that was pretty much my introduction as a GNA, you know, or a CNA, you know, like a nursing assistant. Yeah. I was doing those things. And then the late uh, Nurse Gloria Strawn was my first mentor. She taught me everything that I knew on how to be a nurse in terms of what to do when you go into nursing schools. I always tell them, when I, when, once I got to high school, I said, I'm going to be a nurse. So she would have me go with her to do the, you know, the school sports, and I would wait at the end of the line. Those kids are running at the end of the line, and they're passing out, you know? And I would, like, put smelling salt under their nose. You knew back. what to do. Yeah, she taught me all that stuff, at first aid and everything, and all the boys would call me little nursey nurse. <laughs> <laughs> from the time you were a girl. Yeah, from the time I was a girl. That's yeah. just amazing to me. And you, and you had this um, thing inside of you. Mm-hmm. It really grew into a passion and a dream that you had yeah. to become a nurse, but you didn't know how that mm-hmm. was going to be possible because mm-hmm. of the limited resources that your family had. Yeah. So how how did it come to fruition? Oh, God and is good. God, because God is good. Tell me about that. God is good. Uh, there's a chapter in the book about that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had to put the little clippings in there to remind myself of where I came from and where I am today. But I, I always had this vision in my head that I would, I would be a nurse, and I did not want to lose that vision. You know, the Bible said that we should see the vision, write it down. And so I saw myself in faraway places, in these fancy hospitals, working with all kinds of people. And I kept that vision in my head, and I said, God, one day I'm going to be there. I'm going to be that nurse. I saw myself in nurses' uniforms and everything. And wow. I accepted Christ at age 10. I think I was like 9, but when I really felt the Holy Spirit inside of me, I was 10 years yeah. old. And um, I could hear songs singing, like heaven was so close, you know? Oh. Um, you know, on the island, it's like, just go to the sea and you can hear God. Oh, for you know? sure, <laughs> yes. Or you go somewhere in the bushes and you can hear God, oh. you know? And I kept that vision in my head. And I say, God, my parents don't have money to send me to school. How am I going to do this? But I, I tell you, teachers, don't forget your teachers. My teacher, my high school teacher, sat with me and she said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a nurse. She showed me how to do all my applications to apply to nursing school, to apply to College of the Bahamas, and we sent it off, and I was accepted. Wow. Yeah. And so, but to go to the College of the Bahamas, and I mentioned that, to go to the College of the Bahamas, you had to pay. My parents didn't have any money to send me to College of the Bahamas. So anyway, I went, and I went on like a student, um, like a program where you can work in the lab, and, yeah. you can, and you can get money to pay. I'll pay with your tuition. But I didn't know chemistry. We didn't do chemistry on the island. Oh. So I failed chemistry twice. Oh. And I said, how can we? And I mentioned that in my book. I said, God, you brought me this far, and I'm not going to get through nursing school. So I went to see the guidance counselor, Dr. Ramming, Philip Ramming, in his little office, about two doors, a little room. And he said, I said, Dr. Ramming, I'm failing chemistry, and I'm not going to do this. He said, when did you decide that you were going to be a nurse? I said, I was 11 years old. I said, there's a crippling disease in my family that I, I don't know what it is, and I want to find out what it is so I can help them. He said, don't lose sight of your dream and don't lose sight of your vision. Mm-hmm. Because I, I told him about the vision that I had. I can see myself that as a nurse. Mm-hmm. He said, don't lose sight of that. And wow. the counselor helped me to talk with the um, director of nursing because there was another program in the Bahamas. It was a diploma program. Now, I thought I was going to be the first group with a bachelor's of nursing degree program in the Bahamas, but God had another plan. So he sent me to the diploma program. I I got into that, and that was a three-year program. I was able to live on campus for free, eat at the cafeteria for free, 
and the school was two steps away. <laughs> That's amazing. Look I, at God look providing at, exactly. for you. So when I got into that program, I said, God, oh I want to give you thanks because you have made another way. You know, it, it, would, it would have been great to have a bachelor's degree in nursing, but that was not God's plan. He wanted me to go to the to the lowest degree, which is a diploma in nursing, and wake my way up. And today, now I have a doctor degree in nursing. Look at that! Look at, <laughs> you know Look at that! I, man, there's so many life lessons here, Esther, yeah. from yeah. your story. Yeah. There's so many things that people need to hear yeah. and need to be reminded of because mm-hmm. that one door has closed. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that your dream is dead. Exactly. And I love that you continually refer back to in your book people that God placed in your life yes. that saw the dream inside of you, that yeah. saw the fire in you, yeah. that encouraged you yes, to keep going, that made a way for you. God mm-hmm. God uses other people sure does. to I'm support sure. us mm-hmm. in our dreams because ultimately, um, if God's put that dream in you, it's not just for you. That's it's for right. the benefit of other people. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. So you got the lowest degree. Yes. And you started from there. And yep. as you heard Esther say, and now she has a doctorate yeah. in nursing practice, mm-hmm. uh, along with many other credentials mm-hmm. and so much experience. I want to double click for a moment, though. You mentioned something that was uh, really spurring on your um, your drive mm-hmm. to want to become a mm-hmm. nurse. And it was this crippling disease that was in your family. Yeah. Tell us about that mm-hmm. and tell us about the, the journey of grief that ensued yeah. learning about that disease. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> sorry. So muscular dystrophy is what I've decided, what I discovered was a disease. I didn't know that because I was just too young to understand what was happening. My eldest sister, Gertrude, was the first one we noticed difficulty in her walking. And she was like, she had a special place in my heart. My oldest sister, my younger brother my youngest sister, those, and all of your family, but, but she had this special place in my heart, and, I, and I, would, I would watch her as she walked, and she was 10 years older than me, mm. and so as I grew up, and I, and I watched her as she got older, and she would fall, she never finished school, she never finished high school, she never went to high school, I don't think, um, but I wanted to know, I said, and I always asked my parents, what, what's wrong with her, why is she walking like that, why is she falling over, and 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 back then they didn't know. They yeah. had no idea. We yeah. live on an island. There was no hospital there. It was a yeah. clinic, um, and so they always felt oh, they they're crippled. You know, back in the day they're crippled. That's all they would say. That's they're all crippled. they would say. Yeah, they're crippled. So as I realized, my sister Gertrude, and then there was my sister Naomi, and then Glennies, and then my brother C. So four of them had this disease, and they've all passed already. <clears throat> so Gertrude was the first one to really deteriorate. Um, and she died in 1988, just after I finished my nursing degree. I'm so sorry. You know, and um, and then it was not long after that that my brother died, like nine months after him, and another brother died five months after him. Um, but the ones who had the muscular dystrophy, it was like almost every fourth child and one set of each twin. There was two sets of twin girls in the family, and so it was the older twin for some reason mm-hmm. who was a more heavier built, more muscular built. And that twin was the one that ended up with the muscular dystrophy. Mm. And then my baby brother, who's in chapter 11, who I, every time I read this book, no matter how many times I read it, I have to have multiple tissues around me Aww. because that was the most difficult chapter to write in the book. But each of those um, each of those siblings had muscular dystrophy and the condition just deteriorated. But I wanted to know what the problem was, and that really stirred me on into nursing. 
And then when I was, once I was into nursing, I did a lot of research and read a lot of journals and did a lot. And my baby brother was pretty much what I call the guinea pig because he was the only one that I was able to really do investigations on. Mm-hmm. Like we brought him into Nassau to the hospital, make sure he got um, all these different tests done. My father, my parents really, really tried. Really, They took him to Cuba and all over the place. Um but we couldn't find. There was no cure. There's still, still no cure for muscular dystrophy. Mm. You know, and, and you lost four of your siblings that way. Yeah. But then you you lost my other three brothers as well. I'm try, I'm just trying. And to my father <laughs> and and your father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's devastating. Yeah. Um. And this is one of the threads that runs through your book: mm-hmm. finding purpose through grief and loss and yeah. loss. I'm so sorry for all of the loss, Esther. I, I can't even imagine how your heart is so resilient as mm-hmm. to withstand yet another, yeah. yet another, yet another. Mm-hmm. So what's your secret? Oh, the secret is having faith in God. Having faith in God and realizing that whatever he's doing is for a purpose. I mm-hmm. mean, I didn't see it at the time, right? And I, I talk about it a lot in the book. And I even ask my mother sometimes, when we had the death and after the funeral, Mommy, how you doing? And she would always say, you cannot fly in the face of God. And I always wondered what she meant by that. And I said, and I, and I think in her own little simple way, she was said, you really can't ask God why he did this. I mean, we can, but is he going to give us an answer? And do we want the answer that he's going to give us? Mm. We have to trust the process. We have to trust that whatever he's doing is for our good, right? Number one, is to strengthen us as well. Mm-hmm. Because... There were some of the deaths that were really faith-shaking, to be honest. And I mentioned some of those in my writing, especially my brother Mikey, who passed. I was so angry when he died. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was angry at God. I was angry at Mikey for dying as well, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was I was angry when my, my older brother, Herbert, passed away as well. He passed like five months, no, nine months after Gertrude, my older sister. And then my brother Prince died five months after Herbert. Mm. So they were all, the first three was really close oh in the matter of nine months, five months. And then we had a, a maybe two-year break, and then we had another, mm. you know, two and so forth. But as I look at each of them, and as we went through each of the process, you know, with the grief and the loss, I always find time to find my space and get on my knees and pray. Mm-hmm. I did ask God, ask him why many times, you know, and I, and, and then there were times he never gave me any answer. He was silent. And I, and you know, you ask God, David, why are you silent? You know, <laughs> David, cry out to God in Psalms, why, why are you silent? Why yeah. are you not telling me what's going on? But there are times when God may tell us and we don't want to hear what he has to say. Mm. So what, what I, what I would like to say is that I tell people, even though we may ask God why, we may be angry, we have to realize that. The process and the purpose is for his will and for our strength and for his glory. Mm. Can you say that again, that last part again? Because <laughs> that's just, yeah. like, that's, that's a know, nugget of truth. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 is for his, it is for his purpose and for his will and for his glory. But at the same time, it is to strengthen us, it's to sharpen us, it's to help us realize that God is in control mm-hmm. of everything, even the loss and the death and the struggle. And we have to trust him in the struggles, in the grief of the loss. We also have to trust him when things are good. If we only trust him when things are bad, you know, <laughs> how, how can we how can we say we we are we are trusting in the God of all circumstances? That's right. You know, and everything is only a season. It's only a season. This grief and the loss that I went through was a season. Mm. You know, 
And you continued, even during that season, concurrently in your life, you were still reaching for that dream. Oh, yeah. You were still working on your studies. Oh, yeah. So, and that to me is amazing as Mm -hmm. well, because I think so often we think of grief as the thing that just kind of shuts everything down. Yeah. Right? Um, But you found through your faith in the Lord Mm -hmm. to keep going to keep reaching toward that dream of being a nurse because it was bigger than you. Oh, yeah. You wrote something. I, I underlined <clears throat> it in mm-hmm. your book because it's just really precious. Um, it's early on in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, page 25, mm-hmm. Esther said, I had the faith to believe that if I could think it, it would happen for me. And yes. so I began thinking about all the people in the world that I would help. Yes. That's yeah. That is like the purest motive right yeah. there. <laughs> to, the, the thing that would keep you going mm-hmm. even when your heart is breaking. Yeah. I'm going to help people if I stay in this, mm-hmm. if I keep studying and keep working hard. So how did you get to London in that fancy, oh. fancy place, <laughs> being that nurse that you dreamed that you would be? How yeah. did it happen? It happened several years after I graduated from nursing school, worked for the Ministry of Health in the Bahamas for a while, as well as private practice. And then I got married along the way um and my husband was a medical doctor is a medical doctor and he was going back to postgraduate school and actually um i actually was going to london before i married him but my, my girlfriend and i were going to be midwives <laughs> said, wow yeah, i said we're going to london we were ready to go she ended up getting married so i was left alone i didn't i didn't want to go by myself you know? <laughs> so so it turned out that god made another way right he made another way through the man that i had married and um we went there he went a few months before me, and then I went afterwards. And it was a wonderful experience. I learned so much in London. Mm. Um, hospital was fancy. One of the most prestigious hospitals in, in the UK. Wow. Yeah, the Hammersmith Hospital, where the medical school was. And we lived right across the street. And so I just had to walk across the street to the hospital. Again, across the across street. Across the street. That's putting things, like, right, <laughs> right, like there. right there. Right there, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's how I got to London and uh, stayed there for two and a half years, worked and studied there, did an emergency nurse practitioner program there, uh, went all over Europe and had a wonderful time, save a lot of souls. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I'm sure that you did. Oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that you did. Um, and I know also part of your journey, di- divorce mm-hmm. is part of your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that had to be heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. You talk about that in your book oh, yeah. and, and God's grace too, to... Um, to bring love back into your life. Yes. You're now married to Dwayne. Yeah. And you have how many kids? <laughs> we have four young adult kids together and two adorable little little ones, the grandchildren. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, what are some of the aspects of your journey and your life lessons that are most important for you to communicate to your kids now? Don't ever give up on your dream. Don't give up on your dream, number one. Keep the vision in your head. Whatever you can think. You know, they used to say the sky is the limit. Yeah. The sky is really still the limit, no matter what. But you also have to remember that your life is a journey and there are seasons in that journey. And there are times when you're going to have struggles. And I tell my son all the time, you know, not because you're here now, that means where God is going to keep you. You know, you have to remember that there are different dimensions in your journey there are different seasons in your journey just how winter comes summer will come mm-hmm. and you're going to have those pitfalls you're going to have those lows and those highs but when you are there when you're in the low you remember the god of the promise what he promised you mm. not just the reward and the promises but the god of the promise mm. right remember that god you know what i'm saying yeah and people forget the god they look at the promise and what he has for us and i say to i, I would say to anyone that is listening right now 
if you're going through a difficult time in your life, that's not going to last forever. The grief, the loss, there's going to be a certain point in your life where you it's going to be bearable to even talk about the one that you lost or the thing that you lost, no matter what it is. And it's going to get easier, but the memories of them will probably never go away. The memories of my siblings will never go away. My father, they will never go away. But you'll be able to talk about it. Remember I said in the book about my divorce, mm-hmm. I couldn't even mention the word divorce. Mm-hmm. I was so embarrassed and so broken. Because you're, you, you, you mentioned you're a good Christian woman. You're a good Christian woman. Like, this is not the <laughs> this plan. This is not supposed to happen to me. Right. I was a good wife. I had a good mother. Or so I thought, right. you know. But, but, but things happen in your life. And not that God intentionally wants bad things to happen to us. But he makes a way out for us to get out of those situations. He What's that? First Corinthians ten thirteen. Right? Exactly. He always makes a way out, you know. Mm. And the old folks would always say, "God don't give you more than you can bear." Right? <laughs> That's so wrong. That is so wrong. I always say, "God, I can't bear this. I can't bear anymore." <laughs> that is so wrong. It's not more than He can bear. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Esther, you said. Um, oh, you also said this, you, and this is so amazing to me. I, I love this about you mm-hmm. and about your story. Encouraging people to keep going. Yes. Um, you said other people will receive the blessings because you're honoring God yes. with your prayer and your praises. Mm-hmm. It's so important for you to keep going, to not give up, to not let the loss, mm-hmm. the grief, the difficult seasons of your life mm-hmm. be the thing that takes you out. That's what the enemy wants. That's exactly right. But you're depriving other people mm-hmm. of receiving the blessings that are going to come from your obedience yes. and your trusting God. How are you doing right now in managing mm. your grief? Because it's not like it ever just goes away. And I know you have a flourishing, mm-hmm. amazing ministry and life of caring for other people. Yeah. I know that you're actively serving God and using your gifts. Mm-hmm. Where does the grief fit into your life now? The grief fit in as memories. Yeah. So there's stages of grief, as I mentioned, and we all know, you know, you go through those stages at different times, you know, not all at the same time, because some people could be in one stage for a very long time. And so where I am right now, I consider myself in the recovery stage. I'm mm-hmm. in the recovery stage because there's still some days I think about my father because he just passed in 2018. Mm. And I always said, Cecil Williams is really gone. <laughs> I always tell my sister, Cecil Williams is really gone. I say, because if he was alive, this, this wouldn't be happening. Oh, You know, I said, this wouldn't be happening. But, um, but I, I consider myself in that recovery stage. And, I, and I, I feel like folks like me who have been through so many grief, we, we would probably always be in a recovery stage. You know, like the memories of your loved ones never go away. Do you feel that all of these difficulties that you've experienced have made you a more compassionate nurse? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mentioned many of that times in the book. The, the book is not, I mean, I, if I could write a book like this, I'd be writing forever. But there's been so many families, so many deaths. I mean, I've seen so many. I've been in nursing for 37 years. My goodness. Almost 40 years. My goodness. So could you imagine? No. From infancy, I mean, babies dying in your arms to older folks to all kinds of different tragedies, trauma. I was a trauma nurse. It made me a much stronger person. Mm. It made me realize that life is short. Life is so short and life is so valuable as well. As well as it's also so fragile. Think about it, you know. But it made me look at each family as an individual, not as, oh, another person just died. No, that's a person that belonged to a family. And so I always kept that in my heart all through my nursing journey. 
that when things are happening, and then when we had the good surprise about somebody recovered from the ICU and have the big ex excitement, but when somebody passes and we have to prepare a body for a family to view, I always remembered my lost. I always remembered how I had to identify my eldest brother. Mm. And I looked at mm. his body and they were like, is this the person that, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so the family has to come and say, is this the person? You know, you've been there. You yeah, know what so it's I like. Yeah, I have been there, yeah. And so it made me a stronger nurse, a stronger person, a more compassionate. I can, I can identify with what they are going through. I may not always know what to say because it's not my loss, but I can be there for them, mm. you know. And so I think... I think what God has called me to do in this journey is to understand that he has places, placed me in a position to be there to understand because we're not here for ourselves in this world. We are here for others. Right. And as we, as, as, we, as we honor God through our prayer and our praise and our dedication, our faith and trust in him, we bless others that are around us. So, so my, my, my goal, I believe my purpose in life really is to be there for people, to be an encourager, to be a motivator, to really help those that are hurting. I'm just, I'm deeply moved just spending a little bit of time with you. And I was deeply impacted reading your book. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a quick read, but it is a deep read. Mm -hmm. It will linger and it will stay with you and it will be a guidebook yeah. for you. I thank God for you. Thank you. You are such an encourager. Uh, and I want to encourage people to, to get your book, mm -hmm. Journey of Faith, Finding Purpose Through Grief and Loss. Mm -hmm. Now, you did this on your own, right? You self-published self, self -published mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this? one is self-published. So yeah. this is amazing, friends. You've got that story inside of you. Yeah. Don't let your gifts die with you. You heard Esther say it in the beginning. That's right. Don't let your gifts die with you. Mm -hmm. Share your story. Write it down. Start writing. What I started to do is I, I bought what I call a book journal. Mm -hmm. I love the journal. Yeah. I've been doing it forever. <laughs> I know you do too. Me too. <laughs> so, so write it, even if you don't know who to turn to, because I didn't know where to start when I started writing in my mm -hmm. journal. But I started Googling stuff. I said, how to write a self-published book. And Facebook has a whole multitude of stuff. Once you, <laughs> once, once you start saying things like the universe just hears you <laughs> and you see all this stuff on Facebook and I'm like, who are all these people? Like, how do they, they know? How do they know? Are they in my house? <laughs> I said that to my husband. I, I just Googled something and all of a sudden all the stuff on Facebook. And then I found Yvonne. And then you found Yvonne, your, yeah. your writing coach. My writing coach. And mentor. Mentor and friend and church, everything else. And I said, this is the person I'm going to go with. Because I had other people that reached out to me. I'll bet. Yeah, I have another book that's actually uh, being published by a publisher coming out in, in, this, in the spring. Congratulations. Yeah, I, wrote, I wrote four books. I have written four books in the last year. Esther, wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> You're telling me this now at the end of the podcast? Come on. Yeah. What in the world? Yeah, this is the first one that has been published. I was writing two books at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop this girl. You can't stop this girl. Oh, yeah. that just, oh my gosh, that thrills me yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Your because, voice needs to be out there in the world. Yeah. It's a blessing and a gift to us. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to do this one as a self-publisher first because when you are doing um, the traditional way with a publisher, it's not it's not cheap. <laughs> right. It's not cheap. So you have to see how the first one's going to go. So I said to you, well, let's do the first one, uh, self-publishing. And then the second one is with Christian Faith Publishing Company. Congratulations. And um, this, the other one that, that we're doing is just going to be a journal, a faith grieving journal called The Grieving Heart. Wow. 21. It's a 21 faith-inspired journal. When will it be out? In about two weeks. <laughs> In about two weeks. So by the time this podcast hits, yeah. 
It's going to be out. It should be out, yeah. Will it be on Amazon? On Amazon. Both of them are on Amazon. The Grieving Heart mm-hmm. on Amazon. And this one is also on Amazon. On Amazon. Mm-hmm. So the journey of faith, finding purpose through grief and losses on Amazon. Yeah. Um, Esther Brandt, mm-hmm. congratulations. Yeah. Um, may God just continue to yeah. um, birth uh, words to share your mm-hmm. story Thank you. and continue to give you the energy and capacity that you have to keep caring about people the way that you do. Thank you. The fact that you don't have compassion fatigue, that you, I mean, that you are after 37 years mm-hmm. of serving um, as a nurse and you are still loving people and caring for people. And I just marvel at your resilience and your love. That's, it's got to be from Jesus. Oh, yeah. Only from God. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's been a pleasure. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is amazing. This is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Friends, I'm so glad that you've been listening to the podcast. Um, It's it's special every single time. And I hope that you will share this with somebody that you know needs to hear it. I want to thank our amazing team, Todd Gaddy, Aaron Branham, Caroline Burke and Jared Akers. You guys are the absolute best. Your Day Brighter is produced by me, Tracy Ternan, for Brighter Media Group. Our executive producer is John Lohan. And you are precious to us. Thank you for giving us your time. Share the podcast. Leave a review if you can, because that helps other people to find it. And you know what we always say around here is tell somebody your story today. Or better yet, ask to hear theirs. And maybe after talking with Esther Brandt today, I'll add something to it. Write it down. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Esther. You're so welcome, Tracy. It's been a pleasure.